Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is brought to you by Atlas Benefits. Atlas Benefits has solutions for your insurance needs. Atlas Benefits can help you obtain Medicare, health, or life insurance, and employee benefits. You can find them on the web at www.atlasbenefits.com. Or you can contact Rob Ducey or Roy Smith at 727-600-2892 and mention Legacy Battle Podcast. Atlas Benefits has all the solutions for your insurance needs. Enjoy the show. This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit subscribe on whatever you're listening on. YouTube, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Safari, Google Podcasts, Spotify. If I'm forgetting any, just hit subscribe on whatever you're listening on. Also join that Facebook group. I am Michael Adams here, creator of Legacy Battle. Joining me tonight, we got from Steelers Nation South, Rollo Coffin, from the Good Iron Battle Zone, Theon Reed. And we got we got a, a, a first-time panelist tonight. He's a Huge, huge baseball knowledgeable person. He's Bowling Green alum, David Martin. And our special guest tonight, he's a former MLB catcher, also played in the outfield a little bit, eight seasons with the Brewers. And we're going to be debating the Brewers tonight, so we know this is perfect. He hit 331 in 1996 and 309 in 99. That is some impressive batting stats there. He also put up a 944 fielding percentage in 94. He's played internationally, including in the 2000 Olympics, where check this out, batting average of 565 in that tournament, and slugging was 957, so just incredible numbers internationally. And he's still, you're still involved in baseball today, is that correct? Yeah, still managing in the Australian Baseball League and also manager of the Australian national team. Right, exactly. So we... we we got former MLB All-Star catcher, David Nelson. David, thank you for being here. No, my pleasure. Nice to be here, guys. Awesome. This is going to be a good time. We're, we got a lot of people to discuss tonight, so we're going to jump right into this. It's going to be the top five Milwaukee Brewers offensive players of all time. And we're going to start out. We're, we're going to go with the only player, really, who might have a little controversy tonight. We, we don't usually bring up the dirt, so we'll steer clear of that a little bit here. But uh, Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun, first-round pick out of Miami. <clears throat> he came onto the scene and with one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen, 34 homers, 97 RBIs, rookie of the year in 2007. So he came in hot. And those first five, six years afterwards, before he got injured, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. He averaged 33 homers, 107 RBIs, a 314 batting average, and he averaged 21 stolen bases, which was an underrated part of his game. Was, you know, people he was known as a slugger. He was a five-time silver slugger, but he also was, was known for stealing bases. He uh, was a part of a 30-30 club twice, uh, you know, before he got injured. And, uh, you know, in his 14 years, he was 
you know, his first eight, nine years, he's one of the best hitters in baseball. He won MVP in 2011, was a six-time All-Star. You know, despite the controversy, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. Ryan Braun, my pick, one of my picks. <laughs> one of your picks, that's right. We all got two tonight. So what what we're just going to say about that is about the controversy for Ryan Braun. For those of you who don't know, he, he did have one positive test for possible steroid usage. So that's controversy. We'll just leave it at that. David, my question for you is one stat that wasn't mentioned there is that Ryan Braun also is the all-time strikeout leader for the Brewers. Is that just part of today's game, striking out more often? Or, you know, is, is it worth it because of all the home runs he hits? Yeah, I think it's just part of today's game. I don't think it really takes away from anything he's achieved. You know, the name of the game is being productive, and, and I don't think anyone can deny how productive he's been over a long period of time. Yeah, fabulous. And he also switched positions, if I'm remembering correctly. That, I, think he, I think he came up as a third baseman initially and then um, put him on the corners. And, you know, I'm not sure what, what was behind that. Probably probably just suited the team better and also protect his body. But, um, you know, he's done a great job in the outfield. A lot like Chipper Jones. Chipper was at third and then in his later years they moved him to the outfield just Help them get a little more out of their career because playing in that infield, that's that is a lot a lot of rough diving and hard on the knees and everything. So let's move on to our next player tonight. And we're gonna go Robin Young. Yes, yes, the kid. Um the kid is coming out of uh, Danville, uh, Illinois. He made his major league debut April 5th, 1974, at just 19 years old. Um, I just can't imagine going there, you know, being a part of the show. You came and buy a drink <laughs> legally afterwards, but uh, spent his whole 20 year career with the Brewers. Uh, career averaged uh, 285 with 3,142 hits, 251 home runs, um, just above 1,400 uh, RBIs. Uh, he's just, uh, he's 19th. Uh, on the career list of uh, major league hits, uh, just uh, he's one of the 32 uh, players to have 3,000 hits. Um, but we're, since we're talking about uh, where they place in the Brewers' history, he's second in home runs with 251, first in RBIs, first in runs, first in hits, first in doubles, first in triples. He's a three-time All-Star, two-time AL MVP uh, for those. Oh, a little confused. Yes, the Brewers were in the AL at one point. Um, a three-time Silver Slugger. Um, even though we're talking offensive, he was also able to be uh, all-around shortstop in earning a silver. Uh, I'm sorry, a Golden Glove as well. Uh, he's his numbers retired. Uh, he made the Wall of Fame for the Brewers and also was a first ballot Hall of Fame. David, outside of Milwaukee. I feel Robin Yunt is the most known player in, in Brewers history. Now, inside Milwaukee, I know there's a few more that might be in there. Cecil Cooper, who we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later, definitely one of the more popular players. But, I mean, is this list kind of like Robin Yunt and everybody else, in your opinion? Absolutely. I, I cannot imagine anybody uh, superseding what Robin's done. He, he basically built the organization. You know, he's such a humble player and – you know, most players get to the big leagues trying to, you know, reach standards, you know, trying to 
fit in. Um, Robin was one of those players who set the standards. You know, he 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 was just so good at everything he did. A good teammate, and um, I just can't imagine him not being the guy. You know, he is he is by far you know the best player ever to play for the Brewers. One thing that wasn't mentioned, he got two MVPs. One was at shortstop, and one was at center field. I mean, how do you do that? You know, how do you how do you do that? He batted in the three, four, five position. He stole bases. You know, he was a, he was a quiet leader, but um, yeah, Robin's the guy. Come on, Rollo. Let me ask you a quick question about the, about uh, Robin. He played his entire career on one team. We don't see that anymore. I mean, how, how special is that? That's very special just to, you know, being able to go out there day in, day out for, for teams that are not, not winning, you know, sometimes not winning. Yeah. And just being able to go out there every day. I mean, he, I mean the amount of games he played for that organization is incredible because he, you know, he, he, I think two seasons he played all 162 games. And you know, that's incredible. You know, to play that many games in a season for a baseball season because baseball is a very long season. It's like five, six months in addition to spring training. So in order to play that many games for that long for one organization is an actual, actually an incredible feat. Well, we mentioned Cecil Cooper, so let's move on to him tonight. I'm representing him. So he's, he got 11 seasons with the Brewers, and he made five All-Star games during that time, won three Silver Sluggers. I know we're not talking fielding, but two gold gloves. So you got to throw that in there because that's just a special stat there. And he was top 10 in MVP voting four times. He led MLB in RBIs two times and doubles two times. He's third all-time in Brewers batting average at 302. Fifth in games played, fourth in runs scored and hits and doubles, and sixth in triples and homers, and third in RBIs. So the only thing I got to prove tonight is that he's top five. So to get him on the list tonight, all those stats are pretty much top five. Just a little more information. 1983 wins the Roberto Clemente Award, which, you know, that award is given to the person who exemplifies the game of baseball. That is just a, a wonderful award to, to receive. And, and for Rollo and myself growing up in Pittsburgh, we, we know how special Clemente was. Um, but, you know, when he played, fans used to, like, chant, we want Coop or, or, or Coop, you know, late in his career when he was benched, uh, which didn't go very well over with the fans at that time. But he became a mentor for young players like Glenn Braggs um, and, and many, many others. And the Brewers, this was kind of a sticky situation at the end of his career. They wouldn't release him due to like $1.5 million that would be owed to him um, if he was going to be released at a certain time period. So he ended up retiring. Um, he spent the final 76 games of his career on the bench, which is just, it's just a shame because of all that he meant to this franchise. But, you know, after playing as Brewers minor league director of player development, moved up to bench coach, uh, then AAA manager. He's on the Brewers uh, Wall of Honor. And, uh, you know, just in my opinion, he was the heart and soul of Milwaukee. I mean, you go read some articles about this guy. They just absolutely loved him. David, I, I'm guessing maybe you might have came up, uh, you know, through the minor league system and, and worked with him at some point. Yeah, Coop was around all the time. He was always at the stadium and, uh, you know, so I saw him quite regularly and, you know, a, a great guy, obviously. Um, he has to be in the top five. Come on. You got the base hit to put him into the World Series. I mean, there's a lot of other guys that, that, that make a, a pretty good push to be in that top five, but I don't think he's the only one that can say they 
He got the base hit to put the Brewers in their only World Series. That has to carry a little bit of weight. I like that stat. That's a good one. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on to. Well, I see the jersey in the background. Let's go to Prince Fielder. All right, Mr. Fielder. So, uh, for uh, Mr. Fielder being the top five. I, what I need you guys to focus or I'd like you to focus on is what he did do while he was there. Uh, Fielder obviously didn't have the 20-year career in this, with the same team and so forth. He was a victim of baseball's halves and halves not. You know, after only seven years being with the Brewers, they chose to sign steroid Braun over Prince long-term. Uh, and Detroit snatched him up after, you know, just seven seasons. You know, uh, drafted as a first-rounder, seventh uh, overall pick. Uh, you know, with only seven years there, he's right behind Robin Yount in home runs with 230. He was the youngest player ever home runs in a season. Uh, you know, second, second all-time on, in on-base percentage only behind Kristen Yelich as a, as a brewer, uh, you know, play talking about the money ball aspect, you know, do we care how he got on base? No, we don't. The, the man walked a hundred, a hundred times, three seasons while there, 84 times one season and 90 times one season. So being that with that, you know, second all time and on base, so excluding, you know, we think of the six foot, 280 pound vegan that just hit monster bombs. You know, the guy got on base also. So thinking of slugging percentage also in just a short period of time he is there, he's also second all time in slugging for the Brewers organization. So focusing on just the seven years uh, that he was, um, you know, the short period of time that he was a Brewer before moving on to free agency because, you know, again, uh, haves and have nots, the big markets, small markets, and so forth. You know, here's, you know, it is a phenomenal career here, beginning at the age of 21, you know, top, top in the MVP voting on four occasions, home run derby champ. I mean, just a phenomenal career there uh, all around. But the, the biggest stat I want to pull out, you know, again, focusing on the money ball stuff again, is, you know, the slugging percentage. Babe Ruth has the all-time 0.689 slugging percentage. It's the all-time highest for a career. On two occasions, while a Milwaukee Brewer, he, hit, he had a 0.6, 600 or higher uh, as a Brewer. So, again, <clears throat> what could have been, uh, if you, you know, mark this out over a, a full-time career, and as we know, you know, he had a short time with Detroit, was traded away to Texas, and then had the neck injuries and, and so forth. So while focusing on just seven, seven seasons, short time with the Milwaukee Brewers, um, you know, what could have been is, is, is a, you know, had they signed him over Ryan Braun. David, pure power hitter. His father was a pure power hitter. We all know Cecil Fielder. I mean, if he sticks around in Milwaukee longer, he's probably their all-time home run leader. What are your thoughts on Prince Fielder? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had, what, seven years there, and, and six of those years he was a predominant power guy, not just in the Brewers lineup, but also I think he led the league in home runs one year and led the league in RBIs. He was a all-star home run king. Um, you know, I don't think the Brewers have had a power bat like that. Um, you know, you could count them 
on one hand, if not one one or two fingers. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think he, he's definitely he's in my top five for. I know he's only there a short period of time, but the influence we had on the organization and the numbers that he put up are pretty significant. And it's a shame his career was cut short uh, with those injuries. Who knows what could have been? But yeah, let's absolutely. move on to to Paul Molitor, the igniter. One of the best hitters and base dealers of the of the 80s and 90s. He was, you know, uh, he was drafted in 74 by the Cardinals in the 20th round. Decided to go to college where he could improve his draft status. And he wanted to be going in the first round uh, to the Brewers. Uh, made his debut at shortstop. And then moved to second base when Robin Yount uh, returned from injuries. But he's, he's a guy... A lot of exclusives. He is one of five players all time to average to uh, average 300 lifetime, 3,000 hits, 500 stolen bases. And after 1930, there's only two players that ever have that distinction. That's Ichiro and uh, the Igniter. Um, he's second all time in WAR. He's second all time in batting average. Second all time in games played. Second all time in at bats, plate appearance, runs scored, hits, triples. He's fourth in RBIs, first in stolen bases, uh, fifth in on-base percentage, 10th in home runs, and third in doubles. He did all this missing 550 games in his career. Imagine the numbers he'd have put up had he not missed that many games. Uh, he was a two-time silver slugger. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, the guy missed three and a half seasons due to injury. Imagine some of the more the, the numbers he would have put up had he had he stayed uh, healthy and uh, you know, played more games. He also uh, had a 39-game hitting streak in 1987. Uh, so one of the best hitters of the generation, and well, he definitely belongs, in my opinion, on the top five. I remember that streak. People were starting to talk Joe DiMaggio when that was going on. <laughs> that was getting up there. Dave, with... Obviously, I want your thoughts on Paul Molitor, but I do have a question about him, too. This this was the heartbreaker. Watching a legend like him have to basically leave Milwaukee, it's always hard to watch a generational player leave. I mean, what what are your thoughts, like, when that occurred, and, and what do you think of him as a player? We know he got a World Series later on with Toronto. Well, my rookie year in the big leagues was 1992, and we won 92 games that year, and you know, we, we got eliminated the last weekend of the season. There wasn't a wild card back then, so um, you know, really disappointing. But, you know, in the next year in that offseason, he signed with Toronto. For, for a young player who, you know, Paulie was the heartbeat of the team. He had, he had Paul and he had Robin, and that was, that was who we were. And then you just had all the other pieces around the two of them, and they were the leaders. And then in the offseason for... for um, just out of nowhere for him to sign a deal to go to Toronto, which, um, you know, there wasn't, wasn't internet or social media back then. So, you know, the lead up and the information around it was really minimal, but uh, it was really just confusing to me as, as a young guy who thought we were on the, the cusp of getting to the playoffs and, you know, we were right there to have, you know, our main guy um, go to our main competitor. That was, that was really just difficult to understand. I mean, Paulie was so so well respected within the group, and and again, I was just a young guy, but just respected him so much that never questioned it. It just it was just confusing, and you know, next year was just a struggle for us, you know. And and um, t- 
compound that struggle. He went on to win a World Series with Toronto. So, um, you know, as far as the Brewers go, you have you have Paulie, you have Robin there, the two. I think Robin sits on top. He stayed around. Um, I think if Paulie would have stayed around the next six or seven years, it would have been a good discussion as to who the guy is, but Robin is the guy uh, for that reason. And uh, I think Paulie is the... In my eyes, he's the second one behind Robin. Well, let's move on to Jeff Jenkins. Mr. Jenkins, um, uh, West Coast product outfielder out of uh, Olympia, Washington. He was uh, highly recruited when trying to uh, enter into the, the Major League draft. Um, spent four years in the minor leagues uh, being groomed. Uh, when he came out, uh, he went on to have an 11-year career, 10, 10 of which with the Brewers. Um, in that time span, he was able to rank fourth in the home runs with 212, fifth in RBIs with 704, uh, seventh in runs six, with 661, sixth in with uh, 1,221. He was fifth in doubles with 287. Um, fourth in slugging uh, percentage in 496 with the Brewers. Um, his last year with uh, Phillies, you know, made his career slugger uh, dip a little bit, um, but he played an important role in contributing to their um, championship that year. But with the Brewers, uh, he did go on to have uh, an all-star season. Uh, he made the Wall of Fame. What I've found out or read about Mr. Jenks that he was one of those one of those bats where if he had joined the Brewers maybe like a couple of decades before, you know, able to play like a DH, I think he would have been more effective. He's one of those guys that as starting pitchers started to get a creep up into their uh, pitching counts and started to get a little lazy with the ball, he will make you pay. Um, so yep, that's that's what I have on Mr. Jenkins. So I'm looking at I'm looking at his stats right now, and this guy was slugging home runs like crazy. How he only made one All Star game? That's that's pretty nuts. Uh, gosh, thirty homers one year, or 28, 34, 27. Great hitter. How how did this guy go so far under the radar, David? I mean, like outside of Milwaukee, I mean he's he's not a guy that's getting mentioned a lot. Yeah, look, I think the reality of it is there was a period there in Milwaukee where, um, you know, there wasn't much wasn't much attention to what was happening and and the team wasn't having too much success. So a lot of players were going unnoticed and and Jeff's a perfect example of that. He'd come up in 98, was his first year. I think he played full-time 99 was, was when he started to be productive. And my last few years there, and, you know, you could see he had all the attributes. Uh, he, he came first round pick in 95, uh, yeah, a real violent swing out of USC, and um, he just honed it down. Very smart, smart player. So, yeah, good, a good player that I think anyone would be happy to have Jeff on their team. So we're going to move on to Jeff Cirillo, another Jeff. So six seasons with the Brewers and then came back late in his career for, for two seasons. He's the Brewers' all-time batting average leader. Boys, when you vote tonight, who's number one in batting average? Jeff Cirillo. 307, not too bad. Sixth in Ward, third on base percentage, seventh in doubles, and a two-time All-Star with Milwaukee. Now, this guy, 
he would do anything for the team on the field. I'm not sure what he's like off the field. Maybe David will be able to tell us a little bit about that in a minute. But he'd get hit by a pitch. He'd sacrifice hits, sack flies. This was your guy. Anything to get runners on or advance them. He could straight outfield too. Led third basements and put outs two times, assist three times. You know, double plays four times, six times top ten fielding percentage. So really great fielder. He's in the Brewers uh, Wall of Fame, of course. And I'll throw this out here about him. In today's baseball, he probably wouldn't be highly sought after because of how they think of those type of players nowadays. But this guy was perfect for his time because, like I said, he he would do anything to get on base. Um, he's definitely was like an analytics-driven player, 9.2% walk rate. Um, positionally versatility, he could play all over the field. Wins above replacement before people even knew what that was, was 5.125. That is pretty good. And he's also an Ironman. He played in 154 games. Um, you know, a lot of times, like, he was playing, like, the full amount of games. So he's just a, a, a great, great, versatile man that you, this is the kind of guy you want on your team if you're trying to win. It's not always just about homers. So, Dave, the batting average is so undervalued in today's game. I mean, just like in your opinion, what I don't want to say what's more important, but do you want guys up there that are going to jack 40 home runs or do you want like a bunch of 300 hitters in your opinion? Well, I, th I think you want guys that are productive and you want guys that make the team productive. So um, Jeff was a productive player and, and he was here for average, but – I think you summarized him really well. He, he played a lot of positions. He probably, again, like Jeff Jenkins, wasn't well recognized because at that time with the Brewers, we didn't have too much success. And uh, But, man, what a fantastic player he was. What a, a fantastic hitter he was. And, um, yeah, really, I think what he, he was never undervalued within the organization, but... But, um, yeah, he was just... A, he was a, just loved playing the game of baseball. He loved... He loved the game and, and as you said, would do anything for the team to win. It's, it's uh, disappointing he didn't get to spend more time in Milwaukee, but, um, you know, that may affect his top five status in my eyes. But, um, yeah, great player. I think you summarized him really well. It was nice to see him come back later on, too, for those, like, last yep. two seasons. So that, that yeah, I'm glad to get to finish it, yeah. Well, let's move on to our final player tonight. That's going to be Greg Vaughn. So with Craig Vaughn, a, another first-round pick, fourth overall uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, a lot of similarities here with uh, Prince Fielder again, uh, limited to just eight seasons with the Brewers. Uh, it appears, you know, based on the, at the, time, the, the trade deadline in 1996, uh, he was dealt off to what he may be a little more known for, being in San Diego where he went on to play in the World Series and so forth. Uh, before uh, uh, joining the, if you guys remember, the hit show in 2000 with the Rays, uh, along that big signing class of Fred McGriff, Jose Canseco, and Vinny Castillo, a.k.a. career killer move. But a little bit of focus on his, uh, a little bit of focus on his stats. Uh, you know, this guy was just warming up. And, uh, you know, had, had we seen an extensive career uh, in Milwaukee, uh, you know, in that, in not joining on with Tampa Bay, who knows? You know, here's a guy who 
finished as a four-time All-Star, a Silver Slugger, finished with 355 career home runs. Um, you know, it's it's he had uh, 100 RBIs one time. He was in the 90s twice. Uh, you know, the year he got traded, he was at 31 home runs with Milwaukee. So, you know, obviously the contract was up, tread deadline. And, uh, you know, being, you know, as I talked about before, you know, a game of, you know, big markets, small markets. So, I, you know, it appears that's the, you know, as they moved him on because as they weren't competing that year. But, again, it, it's a matter of, you know, what could have been, uh, you know, what could have been with an extensive, you know, or a long-term contract with the home team that drafted you. But the moment he moved on to San Diego, you know, that was, you know, that was it. Even moving on into San Diego, he had a 50 home run uh, season and a 45 home run season. So, um, you know, some impressive stats with uh, Milwaukee. But again, you know, eight years, you know, it's not going to give you those uh, Mount Molitor type numbers. You have to focus on the, the small, you know, you know, what could have been or those eight years that he was there. So I'm looking at the trade from Milwaukee to San Diego. Oh, Bryce Fior, Bryce Fior, I think. And yeah, yeah. Ron Vallone was a serviceable pitcher, but I think I think Milwaukee <laughs> kind of got uh, the short end on that trade there. But so, Dave, th- this this is a very unique stat here. Check this out. Greg Vaughn was drafted four times. Yes. That that's got to be a record. So Cardinals, Brewers, Pirates, Angels. And Brewers again. I'm sorry, five times he's been, he was drafted. Well, you know the draft. The draft. The draft's a little odd in, in, in baseball. I mean, you know, it's uh, you know you get your shot at him out of high school, and then again out in in college after a certain amount. And different rules for community colleges and so forth. So. Right. So, so, Dave, what are your thoughts on Greg Vaughn? Um, and <laughs> interesting that he's drafted five times. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, great. Teammate, great teammate. Everyone loved playing with Greg. Uh, legitimate, part of the lineup guy. Um, legitimate gamer, loved to play. And, you know, the difficult thing about that 96 season is we actually had a really good team. And um, it got to a point to where the Brewers uh, had to make a decision financially, you know, the, um, and financially in a bad way. And, and once once they traded Greg, they had to trade other people. I think Kevin Seitz was in there, and 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 the whole team um, just faded away a little bit. So I want to make the point: is is that year, early that year, we were, we were at one stage the, the top hitting team in, in the American League. We had, were up against the Indians. I'm not sure if we had the pitching to compete with them, but uh, very comfortable to say that if we were a team that was willing to buy at the at the trade deadline, we would have had a chance to do something that year. Unfortunately, we were a team that sold at the deadline and Greg was the main guy. You know, he was the main guy. They shipped him off to San Diego. He uh, went on to have an incredible career. I think his, his time in Milwaukee, he was just, he was just beginning, just, just really learning. Um, you know, even though he's an incredible impact on the game, he was, he was just starting to take off. And I think he had his better years in San Diego and, and Cincinnati and other places. So um, heartbroken to see him leave in that 96 season. All right, let's move into our vote tonight. Dion, you got first pick. Who are you taking for our top five? Yeah, well, you know, again, I, I have a bias. I'm a young guy. 
So, um, and, 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 are we doing the, you can't vote for your same guy? Yeah, you can't ever vote for your own. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so obviously I can't, I can't vote for the kid, but, um, yeah, like I said, I'm a young guy. Uh, I was a huge Prince Fielder fan. Um, I think it was, you know, well said, you know, what, what could have happened if he had stayed with the Brewers. Uh, but even with his time with the Brewers, like, he, he was one of those guys that would, you know, would take an off-speed uh, off pitch <laughs> and make it go yard, you know what I mean? So um, he's someone who will make you pay if you uh, throw it inside, outside, you know, it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, I'm about to go uh, Prince. Rollo? Ah, so I get to pick, I get to pick up the litter. Um, yeah. Since I can't vote for my boys, I'm going to have to go with uh, Greg Vaughn. Wow. Okay. David Martin? Well, since I have two Hall of Famers to pick from, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm actually going to go rogue here. I'm going to go for Storm and Gorman Thomas. No, just kidding. Uh, uh, I'm going to go Robin Young. That's Mr. That's Mr. Uh, you know, that's Mr. Brewer all day, you know, 3,000. You know, Molitor is, is a to another toss-up, but, you know, he was a twin in, in Blue Jay. But, you know, the, the face of, you know, the face of the, uh, the Brewers is, is probably, yeah. I, I got a, a special bias for the Hall Harvey Wallbangers, you know, and that, that crew of the 82. But, you know, that, that, that was quite a special. Robinson. I'll take Paul Molitor. I don't even need to say anything about it. He's that good. So, Dave, we move you. That leaves you with... Cecil Cooper, Ryan Braun, Jeff Cirillo, and Jeff Jenkins. Who do I have to, can, you, can you repeat the names I have to choose from again, please? Yeah. Jeff Cirillo, Ryan yep. Braun, Cecil Cooper, and Jeff Jenkins. Well, I think I'm going to go with Cecil Cooper. You know, 11 years, made a World Series, a leader in the clubhouse. I think I think the other other names you mentioned, you know, they could easily be in the top five, but um, I'm going to go with Coop. Excellent. So that makes the Milwaukee Brewers top five offensive players tonight: Paul Molitor, Robin Yunt, Prince Fielder, Cecil Cooper, and Greg Vaughn. Nice job, boys. Let's move into our Q and A. Rollo, start us off. Dave, you you made an all-star game appearance. You came in the ninth inning. Mm. What was that like? Was it were you, was was your plate? Were you more focused <clears throat> going up the bat? Were you nervous, or was it just any other at bat for you? <laughs> um, it was it was it was a once in a lifetime at bat, so to speak. the The backstory of it is is there was one pitcher in the league, pitched for the Yankees and Texas, who I was really comfortable against but just had no success, no success at all. And uh, John Wetland. And so he was speaking to me in the outfield the day before, all the pleasantries. And as you do, I mean, I couldn't get a hit off him. He had to be nice to me. So, And so, you know, I, I get on deck and Bochy tells me to go out there. It's kind of all, all organized. And, and sure enough, I looked on the other side and Wetland was there. So I kind of had a little bit of a, a giggle to myself thinking, you know, my first All-Star game, you know, give me anybody, give me Pedro, give me, I don't care who I got to face. I just don't want to face this guy. 
So I kind of talked myself out of it. I'm like, no, this is going to be the moment. This is going to be where I break the shackles. And I uh, went up, had a really good at bat, aggressive at bat. I think I swung six, seven, eight, nine pitches. And, and uh, yeah, he continued his dominance over me. You know, I uh, eventually struck out. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a game within a game. Dion. Yeah, Dave, um, with, with uh, you know, Manfred continuously trying to find ways to market baseball, um, feels like he's trying to target the younger fans and get people to come out, you know, for the games on a regular basis, even though I'm someone who thinks the game should just stay the same. Uh, don't touch it. Uh, you know, there's continuous rumors going on about the NL possibly adapting the DH. And, uh, we've seen, you know, the the weight change of the baseball. Um, how do you feel about the game going forward? Do you, are you someone who just feels if the game should just stay the same? Are there any changes that you, you would put in place? Well, I consider myself to be an old school guy. Um, I grew up in that era and I love the history of the game and I think it needs to be protected. At the same time, I'm, I'm managing now and, you know, this group of young young adults coming through, they're different the way they see the game and the things that attract them to the game are different. Um, I have an 11-year-old son who loves everything about the game. He's 24 hours a day baseball and, you, the, you know, the parts of the game that he loves and enjoys are probably not the parts of the game that I grew up on. So I think, I think uh, the commissioner has a very difficult decision navigating the sport forward because the old school people are very strong about how they feel about the game and how they want the game protected. But there's a, a generation of people, uh, younger kids that see the game differently and, and want it to be different and enjoy it. So I think that's me sitting on the fence. Is probably my answer. I, I like I like both sides of it. I have a 23 year old son. I have 11 year old son. You know, and and uh, they're good. They're good people, and they act differently than I did when I played. And they don't think nothing of it. So I, I'm kind of torn between the two. I think they know it. I I just yeah. It's just it is what it is. And you know maybe maybe Babe Ruth and the older guys didn't like the way that we played in the 70s and 80s. You know where does that stop? You know so. Maybe, maybe for them, we were the ones destroying the game. Who knows? Every generation thinks they do it right. So, <laughs> yeah, so. so I want to ask you, I mean, you had a very good Major League Baseball career, but internationally, you were incredible. So what, what do you credit that to? Was it just like more comfortable because you're playing for Australia? Uh, no, no, no. I, I think just tournament play is a different beast. It's about winning. I think, um, you know, when I, when I grew up in Australia, Major League Baseball is really unknown. I think, I, I think you know, what I achieved playing is, is pretty significant. And, and I, I learned more about the game when I stopped playing. I, I learned more about just the business and the lifestyle of Major League Baseball when I stopped playing. Um, and, um, but I, I think just the international tournament, just, um, I don't know, just I, I enjoy playing. And I just had I had some success there. I think I'm really glad I had some success. Uh, you know, won a silver medal at the Olympics, which is a really cool experience. Um, but 
I, I made the playoffs every year in the minor leagues. First year I got the big leagues. Won 92 games. I thought we were going to get there and uh, just never got there. So, you know, I would have loved dearly to um, experience the playoffs in the major leagues. Absolutely. Martin, go ahead. So, uh, on the same uh, topic of international uh, baseball, uh, I've, I've had some travels to Japan and to Cuba for baseball, and I, I noticed you had indicated you part of the 2000 Olympic team. Did you have any, um, did you play, you know, the 96 2000 Cuban team? is uh, arguably one of the best international teams ever assembled. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you had a chance, to, if you guys played against the likes and, and faced uh, the pitchers such as uh, Jose Contreras, Pedro Lazo, Miles Rodriguez. You know, that, that team was just loaded with other stars, Orestes Kindlewin, Ramon Mesa, Pacheco, and so forth. Did you have it? Did you play against them, and how was that? Well, first of all, yeah, I did play. I did play against them, and, you know, they, they played together every year, so... Unlike other, other Japan's the same way, and I think that's why Japan and Cuba you had a lot of success because you had this Cuban team full of just superstars, but they played together every year, so they were very confident. And um, man, did they have some talent! So I got to play against them. I also my 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 in the two thousand four Athens, I got to play against Guriel, first baseman for the Astros. He was just a young guy; I was an old guy, so a bit of a you know, a bit of a clash there. But, um, yeah, they were superstars. I, I, I think until recently, um, international baseball talent's been really undervalued. I don't think people realize how good the international pieces are. Obviously, MLB is the best league in the world, and it's the toughest league to play in for a whole bunch of different reasons. But um, the international baseball scene is very good, very strong, and very competitive. Rallo, you get last question tonight. There were three, I believe there's three Australian baseball players on MLB rosters in 2021. What do you feel could help get more Australian baseball players into MLB and playing in the big show? Um, it's really tough. Uh, you know, baseball, I wouldn't consider to be a top 10 sport in Australia. You know, we probably don't even have 100,000 people play baseball in Australia. You know, so when you look at the numbers that that play baseball in Australia and look at the production we have, you know, we're ranked sixth in the world. Um, and I, I just don't think we have the numbers. You know, we have a country of 25 million and it's it's not a frontline sport. So I, th I think that's that's the main obstacle. Um, facilities and, and more, more people playing the sport. Um, we have incredible athletes. So I think, as I said, I think, when you look at the production of the people that play the game and the success we have around the world, I think it's it's pretty incredible what we achieve. Um, you know, considering there's probably more kids playing little league in some local suburb in America than there is in you know all of Australia. So I think we do pretty good, but um, we just don't have the numbers. Well, hopefully that'll that'll build up here. I know. I mean, we've had that problem with soccer in america for a long time it took it to a very long time to start to peak where it is now so hopefully five ten more years down the line we'll be competitive in, in the adult leagues which clearly we're, we're not right now so hopefully that'll work out for australia for baseball but i want to thank dave nielsen for coming on with us tonight i mean this guy is a brewer's legend he's, he's on their wall of honor 
Just an honor to have you here. Thank you so much, Dave. My pleasure, guys. I can't believe I wasn't considered for the top five, though. Come on, my numbers. I've got to, I've got to at least sneak in there somewhere. That's so good, though. Thank, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Maybe if we do top 10 next time, <laughs> we'll get you in. Make sure whatever you're listening on, you hit uh, subscribe or, or join the group. Have a good night.